0: I want tonight to direct your attention especially to the words of verse number 9 of Genesis 3. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where out thou? God's first question to man. This personal and pointed, and it was personal, it was pointed. God gets that way with his creatures, his people. This personal and pointed question is the first recorded question that God ever asked of man. And it is the first question that he puts to individual men and women today. In up-to-date language, it simply means, how do you stand before God and in the light of eternity? What is your spiritual condition that is of utmost importance in the heart and mind of God? The circumstances in which this question was first asked are clearly outlined for us in these verses we've read in Genesis chapter 3 that record the shameful fall of man into sin. And the fact that it was God himself who asked this question makes it tremendously important that we face up to it and answer it honestly. God wants God deserves spiritual reality. Adam, Eve, where art thou? It is of utmost importance to the Lord. The God who created and sustained you ask tonight, where art thou? Certainly God created our first parents. And just as certainly he has created us. And therefore he has a right to know. This is God's business. Where art thou? All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That includes you. And that includes me. And these verses tell us how man was created. And the same God who creates us is the one who sustains us who cares for us, who watches over us and supplies every need year upon year, day upon day. And it is this God who comes to us and asks, where art thou? He has a right to know. And then the God against whom you have sinned asks, where art thou? In these opening chapters of Genesis, We have a record of the way in which sin entered into the world. But we must be careful to see that through the sin of our first parents, the whole human race has been involved. There's been a worldwide conspiracy against God. And we have been involved. Romans chapter 5 and the verse number 12 reveals... Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, sinned actually, and sinned in Adam. It is therefore the God against whom we have sinned, us, where art thou? And then the God from whom you're hiding asks, Where art thou? In these opening chapters of Genesis 3, it tells us of their great efforts, painstaking efforts, Adam and Eve took or undertook to hide from God. They're afraid now to meet the Lord. Something has changed, something's committed between themselves and their God. And they don't want to face the consequences of their sin. Man never does. And so here they are hiding from their maker. All over this world, men and women are trying to hide from God. They are trying to hide behind excuses for not loving him and serving him. They're hiding behind some tree. Perhaps that's you tonight. Hiding behind the tree of profession. It's not profession that we need, so much it's profession plus possession. And you're hiding behind that tree. Hiding, perhaps, behind the tree of church attendance. Well, I tell you, one day God's going to cut those trees down, every one of them. The property from which we moved in Reshark on the two acres of trees, woodland. And I had a farmer come to me one day and said, if I owned this property, I'd cut every one of those trees down. Well, I said, I'm glad you don't own this property. Those are lovely trees took many years to grow. But one day, whatever tree it is you're hiding behind, God's going to cut it down. And uh, no tree, no excuse, nothing can hide us from the all-seeing eye of God. All things are naked. And open unto the eyes of the him whom we have to do. And then the God to whom you must give an account asks that? Adam and Eve could not escape and no man can. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die but after this the judgment. That appointment you will not miss. That appointment you cannot be late for. You can put it off now, but you cannot put it off then. It is appointed unto man, appointed by God, once to die, but after this, the judgment. I heard my phone going off at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I didn't know all that was taking place, but I thought, that's interesting. It was spot on, 3 o'clock, the alarm went all across. Everyone owns the phone. And that tells us the picture of the fact that God has a time, a specific time. It's been ordained from all eternity. Nothing's going to put it off. It's coming. And at God's specific hour, moment, second, the alarm will sound, but it will be too late. Jesus has come again. Perhaps he's calling you to meet him in glory. It is appointed unto man once to die but after this, the judgment. This, then, is the God with whom we have to do. And it's a fearful thing to fall follow the hands of the living God. Maybe we could turn, just briefly, to Revelation chapter 20. Closing chapters of the word of God. And we're brought before the great white throne. Revelation chapter 20, and the verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Did you notice that? Men and women are still trying to flee and hide from God. The whole face of the earth fled away. And there was no place to hide. And there was no place found for them. Time was up. Now the time of account must come. So it is this living God who comes to us and he asks the question, where art thou? And then the God who loves and six sinners like you and like me, he asked the question, where art thou? Not only the living God, but is a loving God. And, and this is very wonderful. We, we, we marvel that God did not come not in anger. I can rest assured how I would have come. If I had undertaken some great work, caused me great effort, blood, sweat and tears, to use a human illustration. Then it was all ruined and wrecked. I would be very angry with the one who undertook that. We marveled God did not come in anger. Adam's sin had ruined all that was very good in God's marvelous creation. And yet God came in love. And I would ask you to listen to the tenderness, to the compassion, And the concern of God in his heart as he poses this question to his children. Where art thou? Where art thou? And I want you to notice that it is God seeking, God calling, God taking the initiative. While men hide and flee, God pursues. And he comes with this question, this great question. Where art thou? Adam, you and I were once in close fellowship. Not very long ago. But uh, you're far away from me now. You're in a state of great danger now. Where are you? And he comes to Adam in love and compassion. He does not, of course, overlook his sin. How can he? But in mercy... He makes a way in which Adam's sin can be dealt with and must be dealt with, where that sin can be put away and judged and his soul redeemed. That way is the gospel way. And we have it there in the verse number 15 of the chapter we read from concerning God's great work of grace. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That, of course, speaks of Christ's sufferings, Christ's death, Christ's blood shedding. And that's going to be the way God has ordained it, that man's sin must be dealt with. And Yet God deal with man in grace and mercy and compassion. Perhaps just before I go on any further, I might ask Christians here tonight, where are you? You say, well, I'm in church. No, I'm not asking you that. Where art thou? God doesn't ask, where were you? He doesn't go to Adam and Eve and say, well, where, where were you? No, where art you? And it, it's imperative that we have this first hand living reality before God. A first, present tense experience of the Lord. And God is asking all his people, where art thou? This then is the question that comes to us, comes to all of us, and to us individually, this question, where art thou? Well, where art thou? God deserves. God demands a response. And a compassion. He wants his best. It's God's people. He wants us to live in joy, blessing, himself being glorified. So I would ask saint tonight and sinner alike, where art thou? Well, where are you? This is God's great work. He wants to find it exactly. Of course, he knows precisely where we are better, or better than we do. But he wants us to face up to spiritual realities. He wants us to know where we stand in relation to God. He doesn't want us to be in any false delusion. He wants us to know precisely where we stand in relation to him. Well, I'm going to give you some lines of inquiry that will help you. Now, fear not. The expositional part of this message to which we're coming now is not going to be any more lengthy than the introduction. So I don't want you to fear tonight as we start this. Rather brief inquiries, these lines of inquiry that will help us to clear up the answer to the question, God's question, where art thou? We want to know. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know, surely will you stand before God so you can live and die with confidence? Don't you want to know that? Surely you do. Well, the first line of inquiry I would use is this. Where art thou? Are you in Adam, or are you in Christ? Now, there are only two creations, the old and the new. Adam is the head of the old creation, and the Lord Jesus is the head of the new creation. And all who belong to that old Adamic creation are spiritually dead and doomed. And this is why a second Adam to the fight And to the rescue came. And when Jesus comes, and when he came, he came to live a life that we had failed to live. We're miserable failures. Sinners. A life we failed to live. To die a death that we deserve to die. And to rise again as the head of a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away and all things are becoming wonderfully new. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you belong to the old or new? Very often Christians are made fun of and saying you're old-fashioned, well, there's a sense in which that is true, but here's something we need to be new and novel. Are you still in an old Adamic creation? In sin, under the bondage of Satan, under the curse of God? or have you come in to the new through faith in Jesus Christ where are you? are you tonight in Adam? or are you in Christ? now here's the second line of inquiry where art thou? are you saved or lost? this is very scriptural language there are only two conditions of people of course this has always been the case And however respectable and refined and educated we may be, it is still true that we are either saved or lost. It's just that simple. The Bible tells us in Luke's Gospel, the Son of Man came to seek. Men are hiding, but God searches them out. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so... The Bible makes it very clear, either we are saved or we are, where art thou? Are you saved or lost? You're either one or the other. For there is no in-between position. And if you, if it should be the case that you're lost, thank the Lord tonight you can be saved wherever you are. The first work of grace God does is he comes and he shows you where you are in your sin, in your lost estate. And along with that inquiry is the assurance that God is willing, he's able, right where you are, to reach down and save your precious soul. Through time, you've got away from the Lord. Maybe you imagine in your own heart that when I got up in the older years, if I make it that far, that long, 70, whatever, I might be more disposed to come to Christ. It doesn't work that way. The longer you go on, the further and further away you get from the Lord. Maybe 10 years ago, let's say, just for the sake of a figure, you wouldn't have believed. Where you are today spiritually, you wouldn't have believed it. In those few years, the greater the distance come between you and God. That's the way it goes. We don't grow better, we grow worse. We're outside of Christ and we're not saved. But thank the Lord, you're never too far away, but what you can return. Isn't that wonderful? There's the mercy, there's the compassion, there's the grace of God so tonight where are you are you saved or are you lost where art thou are you for christ or are you against him there are only two classes two positions that we can take and there is no neutral ground here look so far as this building tonight is concerned either you're on this property or you're off it what could be any more simple and there's no neutral ground. The Lord Jesus himself made that clear. Matthew 12 and 20. He that is not for me is against me. He that is not for me, heart, body and soul for me. He's against me, heart, body and soul. He's that all for me or all against me. Jesus Christ is wonderfully true to our souls. He tells you the way it is. And either, he's saying tonight, individually to you. Either you're for me or you are against me. Either we're on the side of Christ or the side of his enemies. And I wonder which is true of you. Where art thou? It is a terrible indeed to be consciously and deliberately lined up with the enemies of Christ. Is that true of you? Are you content to let it remain true? We're coming another time of election, and uh, I believe we should vote and exercise our responsibility as citizens. And we will vote for those who, by and large, do us the most good and do us the least harm. And I wonder tonight how are you going to vote? But I'm not that concerned about this particular election it's to ask you, use this to ask you the question tonight what about Christ? What harm has He ever done you? He's done nothing but good for you over many years provided, sustained, strengthened. What good He has done? And tonight, you're out of hospital, you're out of the sick bed. You're out of the grave. And I want to tell you, the slender thread that keeps us into the land of the living is very, very slender. So quickly it can snap. I had a physician tell me, babies can have strokes. He said, what? Yeah, babies can have strokes. Even in the mother's womb. We're so fragile, so frail. How many times... you've been near eternity you haven't realized it and God has brought you back before you've taken that fatal step into God's great eternity and I think tonight that the goodness of God this goodness of God to you should lead you to repentance harboring hard thoughts against Christ he's done nothing but good and desire to do nothing but good to your heart and to your soul. What position? Where art thou? Are you for Christ or are you against him? And then where art thou? Are you dressed in fig leaves or coats of skins? There's only two covers Genesis 3:21, Genesis 3 and verse 7. The fig leaves, it's Adam and Eve, sewed together, man-made, Speaks of our own righteousness, which is never acceptable before God. All our righteousnesses, the sum total, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in His sight. Why is that? The Bible tells us that there is not a man on this earth that doeth good and sinneth not. <laughs> not a man who doeth good and sinneth not. And the sin, just as Adam and Eve sin ruined much of God's creation, that sin ruins and does all the undoing of the good, perhaps you may do. There is not a man who doeth good and sinneth not. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. And these aprons, they speak to us of man's efforts to gain acceptance before God. What does Romans tell us? Let me read you the verse. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and the verse number 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Down to verse 14. Then again we read. I'll find the chapter here and I'll find the verse eventually. Persistence pays. I'm looking for Matthew ten, or rather Romans ten, and verse three. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and goeth about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I thought to myself tonight, if I make a mistake, which I almost always do, I'm not going to let it put me off. I'm going to persevere, and if I don't find this verse immediately, I'm going to seek, and I shall find. For they, being ignorant, willfully ignorant, of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And every time you wear that old sinful rag, those aprons, man-made, you're wearing something in rebellion against God. They've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God's dear Son. So that's what God thinks of the aprons. But then what about the scotch of skin? Well, they tell us that an animal has been slain. The blood has been shed. And God himself has made provision for his children to be clothed in the perfect righteousness of his dear son. So the question must be asked. Are you dressed in fig leaves, trusting in your own merit for acceptance for God? Or are you dressed in a coat of skins, which speaks of God's provision, God's righteousness provided in the gift of his Son? Where art thou? And then my final inquiry, and I said I would be reasonably brief in the expositional part, of the message is this. Are you bound for heaven, or are you bound for hell? There are only two roads, two courses, two destinies. Jesus himself said so, and it is illegal, or rather illogical, to think in terms, so far as heaven is concerned, you know, I think at the end of the day I'll get to God will let me in. God wouldn't close the door. God wouldn't keep me out. I'm going to trust in his mercy, And uh, I'm sure somehow there at the end of the time, that door in heaven will open to me. No, it won't. It's illogical to think of yourself in these terms and to turn away from all the solemn warnings in Scripture about the danger and certainty of hell for the unbeliever. If you were to die, I'm not saying you're going to, but if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Heaven or hell. It's one or the other. can't be both. It's either heaven or hell. And when you put your head on the pillow tonight, I pray that God will sustain you through the night and he'll bring you to the light of another day. But what if God takes you? I don't know the ways of God. I never thought when I took that stroke those few years ago, that, that was going to happen. No warning. Just like that. And one day that's going to happen to you. And I want you tonight to think, where are you? God comes in mercy. God comes in grace and compassion and concern. And he asks you tonight, where are you? Are you in me or not? Are you saved or lost? Are you bound for heaven? Bound for hell? Where art thou? I know by the grace of God where I'm going. I know for me to be absent from the bodies of a present Christ. Which is far better. The longer I go on in this world, the greater my desire to see Christ. To leave this scene of sin and servitude behind. And I wonder what will it be for you. My earnest prayer tonight, prayers have gone up for you over many years, in some cases. My prayer for you tonight is that you'll have spirituality, you'll know exactly where you stand, and you'll do what God would have you do, so that ultimately you will be found in Christ, found for Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ, with Christ in glory, and with all those, his friends and his family members, in the glory land. Where art thou? May that question ring in your heart and ring in your soul until you can say, I know where I am. By the grace of God, I'm now in Christ. I'm on my way to glory. May God grant it for Jesus Christ.